Desire means that at some points I'll need to focus on myself and my own pleasure. Therefore, I need you to not need me. Surprise. Oh my God. Uh, Welcome everybody to another episode of Girls Gone Deep. I am Elle. And I'm V. I don't know why I said that so high pitched. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't I didn't really clock that. Um, so we are today are talking about Esther Perel. We I love Esther Perel. She's like a relationship psychologist Mm. and you brought me onto this uh, podcast that we both listened to together from Girls Gotta Eat, where they interviewed Esther Perel. And so we're going to share our little insights about what we learned on that podcast. Yeah, I forget how I actually, I think I remember how I found her. She was, she did a TED talk, and I think that's how she became really famous. Mm-hmm. And she's a relationship uh, expert and therapist. And any interview that I have ever heard her in, I just eat up and there's so many great nuggets and I'm just excited to kind of dive into some of her nuggets. And we've actually spoken about her on this podcast yeah, before. Yeah. Like we did the intimacy inventory yeah, and I think there was even something else that we... It did come up in another episode. I don't remember which one though. But I, I have yeah. to thank you for introducing her to me because I had I had heard of her before, but like never really looked into her stuff until that was like it was like the day that we talked about having a podcast. That was the same day when you were like, "Have you ever heard of Esther Perel?" Like she, and mm. that was when I was like, "No, let me check her out." And after our phone call, we decided we were going to do a podcast. Then yeah. I checked her out, and I was like. Yeah, she's everything. Everything she says makes sense. I find that every time I listen, I have to stop, rewind, slow down, re-listen to catch. Write down a note. Yes, <laughs> yes. She's got so many good points. I mean, she focuses more on monogamous relationships. I mean, she acknowledges, you know, thirds and throuples, and but no, that's not her primary. She just really focuses on relationships and whether – and I think that all the stuff that she teaches, and you can let me know if you agree – like really it applies to most of the stuff, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a work relationship, whether it's um, your loved one or family member, like relationships is a relationship. Yes. And I think she'll be the first to say that. I will say, I believe it was her first book, Mating in Captivity. I have it right in front of me here. Mm. Um, Mating in Captivity, Unlocking Erotic Intelligence. I think you know, it's, it's about how to keep the spark alive, keep the sexiness in what she defines as in a relationship that is inherently unsexy, because basically when you have something, it therefore takes out the, the definition of wanting something, right? Mm. To want is to to desire to have something that you do not have. So then once you have it, whether that's through, you know, a marriage contract or, you know, just a commitment to each other or something, once you have it, how do you keep that spark alive? Yeah. It's like the curiosity goes down. Yeah. Once you've got it, you're done. Yeah. And so I think, you know, I... I struggled with this in my monogamous relationship and 
from time to time, I also struggle with it in my open relationship that I'm in. Although I believe that being part of the lifestyle really helps keep that spark alive because it creates that um, tug. What am I looking for? Tug and pull, pull and tug. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> tug dirty. I went instantly um, dirty. So <laughs> what are we tugging? <laughs> <laughs> The tension of I have this person, but I don't, you know, mm. whenever Jay goes on a date, it's like, you know, I know that he's faithful to me and I trust him wholeheartedly, but it mm. kind of awakens that healthy level of jealousy and, Ooh, wait a second. Like, what if this is the person that he decides, Oh, I like this person better than V and I'm going to no longer be primaries with V and go with this person, you know? So do you think that sparks uh, that healthy jealousy that you just described, like new things to do with Jay? How do you keep it spicy? Like, does it um, foster more fantasy or desire or discussion with him of trying new things? I think it fosters fantasy for sure. Uh, it makes me desire him because seeing him desired by another mm. kind of affirms my desire for him. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, hundred percent. When somebody yeah. else is is admiring your own partner, that's compersion for me, where yeah. I see my partner through the eyes of somebody else and I see how much they mm. like it. And I'm like, oh my God, now you see something, sim- you're seeing something different that's making you feel admiration. But I feel that admiration now too, you know, through your eyes. So yeah, I, and, I love and that. And it's hot. Like, it's just like, yeah, that's right. That's my man. But like, this is, I think that our outlook on it is different than I think some other people, because we have that compersion side of things and we've really established that and nurtured compersion and and enjoy that. But then this is where I think jealousy comes in for some people because Mm. they, you know, the, they're, someone else is desiring or admiring their own partner and they get jealous of that. Like, no, he's mine. Mm. There's like ownership of that. Because it's fear. It's Mm fear-based, you know, my partner could be stolen from me. Mm -hmm. But this makes me think of, she talks about the four things that have, that she has been able to outline through thousands and thousands of interviews of people all over the world, uh, through different cultures and races and religions. What keeps you drawn to your partner? That's better phrasing. When do you feel most drawn to your partner? Right. And, and she also makes the distinction that being drawn to your partner is not just sexually. It's just, when Mm -hmm. are you drawn to them? When do you want to be around them? When you like them, you desire Mm -hmm. that, that thing. So do you have those written down in front of you where you can kind of yeah yeah say them? So the first is when your partner is in their element and confident. The second is surprise. The third is seeing your partner through the eyes of another. And four is longing and absence. So I want to touch on the first one. When your partner is in their element, they're <laughs> doing something that is separate from you where they're confident they are, you admire them in that. So 
you're, they're on their own. They're doing their own thing and that's separate from you. And so the way that I look at this is I feel admiration or I like to see M when he is playing music or more so lately it's been whenever he does karaoke and he does his very animated songs with different voices that he can do from Disney. And it's just like, whoa, you're so talented. And just seeing him do that, I'm drawn to him. And I get this little gushy smile on my face and I get, you know, excited to see him him do that. And then, you know, I see everybody else admire that as well. So there's a, that whole, your partner is doing what they're good at. They're confident. So that's the first one. And that's because in that moment, your partner is separate from you. They are Mm -hmm. not in the world of, I have to take care of you for women. When we have to take care of somebody that eliminates desire. So when your partner is radiant and sufficient and they don't need you now, all of a sudden you can desire them more. So I, I totally resonate with that when she mentioned that first one. Yeah. And I mean, that's one of the reasons why confidence is so sexy. It's like, yeah, not being needed. Yeah. And when, when, when I am needed by someone, I can be caring and loving, but I can't want them. So desire, oh, I love that she said this. Desire means that at some points I'll need to focus on myself and my own pleasure. Therefore, I need you to not need me. And that made me think of sex and how, you know, those moments when like I'm getting close to orgasm. I mean, this is very like, you know, taking it very literally, but like, um, when I'm getting close to orgasm, I really just need to focus on myself and to, to be able to get there and climax. And so if you, if I feel that you aren't comfortable with me kind of focusing on myself for a minute, then that's, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be able to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. It does. Like, I also think that because if your partner is enjoying, right, they're having sex, whatever, you're trying to focus on yourself, you can step into that sexual realm of yourself because you don't have to worry about them. They're mm. doing their own thing. They're having their own fun. So now it's all about me. I'm going to I'm gonna pleasure myself right now. And that's awesome. I think neediness is a turnoff for me. Like yeah. the whole, why didn't you call me situation or why didn't you in- invite me to this situation or you know, I was expecting this from you, you know, I, that is a turnoff for me. Yeah. I think it's tough because you want to be able to, in a relationship, express your needs without feeling like you're being needy. Mm -hmm. But I guess there's a way to do that, right? It's like, listen, I don't need you, but this is what I desire and what, what feels good to me in a relationship. You know, I like to check in when you're on vacation. I like to check in once a day and have a call. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of this from the perspective of, I would have liked to have had this conversation with my now ex-husband who I felt 
very stifled by. Mm. Um, and because I don't think we had the vocabulary to say, you know, this is what feels good to me. How does that fit into your life? What would feel good to you, you know, while still maintaining your freedom and independence and not feeling stifled, but still meeting my needs a little bit because we are in a partnership. Mm -hmm. And so, you want to do things for the other person, which brings me to, you know, Esther Perel talks about in this, this, um, interview, the, the figure eight, how, um, in a relationship, you can bring something out in your partner and they can bring something out in you that like, maybe you were opposites that attracted at the beginning and it was a good thing, but then it can kind of get out of hand, perhaps in argument situations. Like if someone's a yeller and someone's the more quiet type, you know, you're fighting and the yeller will start yelling more so that the silent person will become more silent. And the yeller just wants them to yell back and like defend themselves. But the more they're silent, the more they yell. And the more they yell, the more they're silent. (laughs) And so like we just keep... It's like you bring out the trait that you don't want to see in them. You're doing it. You don't realize you're doing Mm -hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Right, you're bringing up and the so worst. like, yeah, and then it's also that um, what's the word I'm looking for? The something bias, the confirmation bias. Like you look for evidence to support your theory. So if I think that my ex husband is needy, mm-hmm. I anything he does it makes me think he's needy, mm-hmm. right? And so the more he did those things, the more he texted me, where are you? What are you doing? Who are you with? Um, and he was doing it out of a, I believe, genuine desire to just connect. Mm-hmm. The more I kind of pushed against it and needed my, my independence. independence. Yeah. And I didn't want to text it. I was like, fuck this. I'm not even like answering the phone now. And so the more I wouldn't answer the phone, the more he would reach out. And mm-hmm. it was just this vicious cycle. You know, so, it's interesting that you brought this up because this is, you're literally the prime example of what Esther Perel talks about in one of her episodes is that there are two types of people in a relationship. One has a fear of losing themselves and the other mm has the fear of losing the other person. So it's Mm -hmm. as if he was in fear of losing you. And so he had that attachment type style, anxious attachment where he needed to know where you were. He needed that comfort. And you were like, no, no, no. I am my own person. Leave me alone. I am, Mm -hmm. I am not, I don't owe you all this information all of the time. And she talks about Mm -hmm. like the babysitting type of issue and surveillance um, it's control. It's it's them not sure how to handle their own feelings in this situation, so they try to control the other person. Mm-hmm. So, so interesting to have a real life example from you like that. Well, and I think it's interesting too to then apply it to the lifestyle because I don't mean to just like shit all over my ex husband because I certainly have been that person in relationships, and I think it's so interesting how when we date multiple people, if you're open or poly different people bring out different sides of you. Mm -hmm. And I, I do tell me if you agree with this. I do believe that every relationship has a power dynamic where, like you just said, like one person is more afraid of losing themselves and the other person is more afraid of losing the other person. Therefore, 
the power dynamic is imbalanced because the person who's afraid of losing the other person will always have less power. Hmm. Well, I don't know about that. Like that could even be shifted to say, well, if the, so in your situation, he was the one that was afraid of losing you, but did he really didn't have the power? I mean, he was asking you to reach out to him and calling you and trying to understand where you were and get notification. Like to some people, they will just follow suit with that. They'll answer the call every time their partner calls them. They will check in every time they're supposed to check in. So I think in some situations it's true, but I think in others it may not be. They're the mm. person who is in fear develops control tactics that stick and stay and the other person follows. Mm. So and gives them power. But Interesting. I, I do agree that relationships are they do have their own dynamics. And so what Esther Perel talks about, which I love how she defines relationships, is every relationship needs these things, security, safety, predictability, or freedom, exploration, curiosity. And also the self-reliance and the interdependence is another two words that she uses. And so all relationships have their dynamics around satisfying each of those things. So having the safety there, having freedom at the same time, mm-hmm. um, having some self-reliance, but then also having interdependence where you rely on each other and that codependency. So I think that there are, can be unhealthy behaviors that come out of trying to balance this. And I, mm-hmm. I also think that over time, these things change. Like the relationship that mm-hmm. you have now is different. And then in five years, you're both going to be different people and you're both going to be bringing out different traits in each other. Yes. And your needs in a relationship with one person or your needs in any relationships that you have can evolve and you evolve. God, it's like once you get a grasp on one fucking thing, a new (laughs) thing pops up. It's crazy. I know. What's that game at the arcade? Hedgehogs or (laughs) what are they called? Oh my God. I can't think of it, but yeah. Groundhogs. Groundhogs. Oh my gosh. I love that. So to speak on this, like, you know, we're going to the negative when it comes to this. You're with a partner and they, they bring out different things in you. And it's not that we're different people. Um, one of the things that Esther Perel gave an example about, which I really, really, really liked is that you're not different around others, but rather different people draw different things out of you. And she says a plant in the sun acts differently than a plant in the rain. She was like, mm-hmm. if you are around a judgmental person, you're probably going to be more quiet, but that doesn't mean that you're a different person. And I just Mm -hmm. love that. And so, you know, we're focusing on some negative things. And one thing positively that I want to point out about this is like M, for example, brings out a trait in me that I never had before, which is music. So he really has been playing guitar since he was a teenager. And he's always constantly practicing and playing that it has excited me to play music and to play the piano. And now I'm messing around with the harmonica and we play together. And now we have this new kind of hobby that we do together where we just dick around on you know, some instruments. And if it sounds crappy, it's okay. Cause it's just us, you know, I'm banging on the mm-hmm. cajon drum, you know, but he's like, this is how you learn. You're going to mess up. You're going to sound funny, but we'll figure it out. Just keep playing. So he's, he's bringing out a musical side of me that I never had before. And so that's exciting too, that even after all these years, right. We're in a, been together for, oh my God, four, I think it's like 13 years now I have to count, but 13 years. And he's still bringing out a different side of me that I didn't know was in there. You said you're drawn to him when he is creating music. He's probably 
feels the same. Yeah, he said. Has he ever expressed that to you? Oh, absolutely. Like he'll encourage me, like, "Hey, are you gonna like practice practice piano later? Like, you know, I haven't heard you play in a bit." So he'll like, he's like, "I like hearing you play." Or sometimes when I play, he'll come in the room, and if he recognizes a song, he's like, "Ah, I know this one," and he's, <laughs> which means I'm playing it right because he can pick it up. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> or I'll hear him sing the words to that song, like you know, mm. an hour later because it's in his head because I was playing it. So yeah. Yeah, so definitely. Yeah, I mean, that just makes me think of another nugget she gives in that interview is whatever brings out curiosity and makes you feel most alive is what leads to longing in a relationship. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, I just, I just picture you guys creating music and, you know, just being so in the moment together and creating like that is to me very like the definition of aliveness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I want to touch on that because you mentioned two things that are important. So back to like what fosters erotic energy. Number one, we talked about admiration and like when your partner's in their element. And then mm-hmm. number two, she talks about surprise. So this is mm-hmm. novelty Anything new is going to breed testosterone, very focused, right? You're not doing the same thing. It's unpredictable. It calls- Makes you curious. Yeah, it makes you curious. When you're surprised, it's more mysterious. You want to know more. You're, you're, so your desire and erotic and otherness kind of shows up there. So mm-hmm. that is kind of like, I guess what I wanted to touch on what you just said was like that newness. It's surprise, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Could you think of any examples in your life? I think some of these kind of overlap the four things like surprise and when your partner is in their element. Like, uh, for example, when I see Jay on his work calls, not needing me, being completely confident, I find him so sexy. He's like boss man. You know what I mean? (laughs) And, and it's something that I've never seen. I don't see that side of him often, right? Because he's not that Jay to me. He's, you know, chill, easygoing, like, you know, go with the flow Jay. But then he gets on his like work pants and I'm like, fuck, that's hot. (laughs) So it's like that surprise and in your element kind of like overlap in a a situation like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I really, when I was looking at these, uh, for the lifestyle, just keys, it ties it into this so well. Like when you see your partner in your element, I love to see, um, flirting with girls, making them laugh, you know, getting all cute and, and like cozy with them and then seeing him have sex and like watching his moves and like, Oh yeah, babe, I know that one. That conversion mm. comes out when I see him in his element in a sexual environment and in a flirtatious. I love it. Um, mm-hmm. The next one being surprise. I think every lifestyle event always has an element of surprise. You know, what's going to happen? Mm. What what group position are we going to be in this time? Or is it going to be an orgy? Or is it going to be just a one-off? You know, like what will it be? And then when you go to different lifestyle vacations like Jamaica or hotel takeovers, there's that huge element of surprise of who's going to be there. What's it going to be like? You know, Mm -hmm. you're curious, you're more playful. You're also on vacation. (laughs) I've also, yeah, I've also been on dates with couples where I'll ask a question and 
I'm thinking of one instance in particular, the guy answered and the girl looked at him and she was like, I never knew that about you. Like just, and, and they were together for, you know, years and it just takes someone else to ask those kinds of questions that maybe never occur to one person to ask. And so uh, that element of surprise is satisfied. There. Yeah. You're still learning. It's still material, you know, mysterious, you know, like, Oh shit. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I love it. The, the third thing that we didn't talk about yet was seeing when, when you see your partner through the eyes of somebody else. Mm. So that would be like, that has lifestyle written all oh over Oh my it. God. A hundred percent. Hey, I think you're, I think M is really, real cute. You know, does he like me or, you know, I'm really attracted to him. Are you guys interested in us? Or he's so handsome. He plays music so well, you know, mm-hmm. that absolutely just, I love that. You know, when, when other mm-hmm. people come up and compliment M. I mean, we already touched on this earlier and I, that's one of the best parts to me. It's just, you are reminded of how you saw the person in the beginning too, Mm -hmm. when you were first initially attracted to them. Now, you know, all the shades of them because you've been with them for so long. So it's easy to kind of just see all their flaws, right? And there's a beauty in that, but then there's also a beauty in seeing them for the first time. And it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, what initially drew you to them is, is often what initially draws other people to that same person. Yeah. Do you agree? It's like confirmation of like, oh yeah, that's, that's my man. That's why, you know, more the reasons why I like them. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, so yummy. And then what's number four? Number four is absence and longing. So yearning, mm. distance apart, that's the root of desire. A hundred That's a huge one for me. Huge. huge. Yeah. You talked yeah. about this before because you guys don't live together. And so you have your weekdays apart. And then when you get together, it's definitely more valued probably. You spend more time mm-hmm. together. It's more intentional. You're more present mm-hmm. because of the lack of time together. Because I can really resonate with that too. When I got married... Well, I graduated from um, my postgraduate and I lived at home for two years before I was married. And I wasn't, quote unquote, allowed to, to stay at his place. He had his own condo at the time. And uh, it, I, my parents never said I couldn't live there. It was just understood that you're not living there until you're married. So for me, being, you know, 24 years old with a postgraduate degree, living at home with my parents and having a fiance, but not being able to live together, I just remember the weekends coming and we would spend so much time together. And then on Sunday, it was like this, oh, I'm going to miss you. I can't believe I have to leave. I have to go home. I can't wait till we live together. And it really just made me appreciate and value our time together. And like I said, be more present and intentional. I have always resonated with this because I fucking value my independence and I love to do my own shit by myself and then be with them when I want to be with them. And I mentioned this on another episode, but um, one of my partners, he and his primary partner, they lived together in a previous iteration of their relationship and they ended up breaking up and were not together for many years. They came back together and just said, we will never live together full time 
again, essentially, um, at least for the time being, because it feels like whenever we're doing something, we're opting in rather than when you live together, you're always making a decision like, are we doing this together or are we not going to do it? It feels more negative, like you're opting out of something. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I think it's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'll also apply this to lifestyle with all of the beautiful humans that I know now from across the country. Like I long for, you know, people in Atlanta, in DC, in Pennsylvania, you know, (laughs) like, so that when I finally see you, it's just like, oh my God. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it really, really fosters that excitement and like looking forward to seeing each other and yeah, getting our dirty on. Which is interesting and feels almost a little bit hypocritical isn't the right word, paradoxical maybe, I'm not sure. Um, When we get together, we've talked about the difficulty of turning to sexy time Mm -hmm. because we know each other so well. So therefore we do have that sameness that we're talking about with Esther Perel, right? And so like there's, we've all fucked each other, you know? We've all done ridiculous things together. (laughs) Like it's like what's left on our fuck it list because we've been in all sorts of combinations and used every single toy on the planet, I feel like. (laughs) Yeah. So often we can get really lazy even though we haven't seen each other for a couple months perhaps, Mm -hmm. you know? And we do really long for each other, but also there is that sameness and security and comfort in all being together. So it's very interesting now that I'm thinking about it, this joy family that we have, it's a, it's a juxtaposition of, of the two. It is. It really is. Sameness versus like, uh, how do we spice it up? How do we change it up? Right. So I think that one of the things that in the joy family, which helps us is, having different toys present, having different themes going and different situations where we can have desires and talk about things we still haven't done yet and start to change that sameness into something different. But I totally get what you're saying because also when we don't see each other for so long, we just want to hang out. We just want to spend time Mm -hmm. together. We want to be in each other's presence. It doesn't always have to be sexual either. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, with that sameness in a group, one thing I'll relate that to is sameness at home. Like, I feel like there's patterns, like sometimes, you know, with my, my own partner will have sameness and it's not, maybe we're not having sex as much or not as frequently. And then other times we're having sex a lot, which is one, two, three, four. And it's, how do you break away from that sameness? And for us, at least my perspective of it, and I can ask him, but I think that us being in the lifestyle really gives us that different ex- exposure and different experiences and that separateness where he can go have his experiences and I can have mine. So that mm. kind of fosters that like, okay, well, the dire is coming back because I'm seeing him in his otherness. And I like that when he's in his element. And then the other thing too, for us at home is new toys are really fun. Like, mm. you know, more recently we've, our latest sex toy is the sex swing. And so it's kind of been that lately uh, we have been having Sex Wing Saturday and Sex Wing Sunday. And so it's just this fun activity now that we have. And like one of us will surprise each other and put it up when we see it hanging. 
we know like, okay, like we're coming due soon, you know? So again, it's just changing the routine so that you're not in sameness, you know, trying new mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Doing it in a different place. I'm trying to think like what Jay and I do to keep it spicy. And I think it is helpful that we don't live together. Yeah. But, um, when we are together often, I'll say, it has been helpful to be more exploratory. So be more curious. Um, some good things that we've done are like, let's have a um, sensory play night. Mm. So I think often in primary relationships, tiredness can get in the way where it doesn't get in the way with uh, you know, first dates or second dates or whatever, because like, you're kind of, you have that excitement, Mm -hmm. but you're, you feel comfortable to be yourself and lean into your exhaustion from your day to day life with your partner. And so I think that doing sensory play and saying, Hey, it's going to be a half hour scene of sensory play. Like it's not a huge commitment for the person doing the physicality of it when they're exhausted. Um, and it's not, a, it's not a huge time commitment, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just exploratory and fun and you've done something to spice it up a little bit. And then if you have like, you know, your regular go to quote unquote positions afterwards, cool, you still did something that made you feel more in the moment and alive and new. Yeah, exactly. I love that. And I think like an element of that too, that Em and I try to do more frequently is have date nights where we spend, Mm -hmm. you know, like undivided time together, no phones, where we go out to dinner or when then we come back and have our fun, or maybe we do a new activity. So like other things that I'm looking at doing are um, different date nights. So whether we go like for a while, I was learning how to shoot guns. So it was like, let's do that for a little bit. But that is like that playfulness, the curious, the mysterious, seeing your partner in a different light that maybe you wouldn't see them on a day-to-day basis because you're trying a new activity. So mm. that alone is going to foster like desire and attraction and intent, you know. That just reminded me of another major takeaway that I had from the Esther Perel interview, which is she talks about first dates. And if you go on a first date with someone, don't go on a typical just like interview over drinks. Yeah. Because you're not getting, yeah, like you're not getting a person's real vibe from them answering these rote questions, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And they're not getting yours. And so, you know, she suggests, you know, inviting them to go out with your friends, like something you already would have been doing. I personally don't know how I feel about that. I don't know that I want to bring just like randos around to like my friend hangs because as we know, I cherish my friend hangs too much. Like, and I, I don't want to be worrying about someone else. Yeah. But I will say I have a list of things that I still have on my bucket list for New York. And so these things that I would want to do anyway, so like go to an art museum or go to, you know, we have these cool mini golf places, the sex museum, museum of illusions, like there's all these like interesting places to go that you want to go with someone. So that's a great date to go on with another couple for the first time. See how they 
like it, yeah. you know? Are they playful people? Are they curious? Are they interesting, mm-hmm. interested? Yeah, I mean, you can see how, I mean, you can see how they relate to other people, how they interact with other people in the environment. If it's, say it is your social situation with your friends, or maybe you are at the art museum and you just casually start talking to someone else that you're near in the museum, but you're going to see how do they interact with others? How do they respond to different situations? You know, otherwise in those one-on-one situations where say you're just having dinner, you're only seeing them interact with say the waiter and how much exposure Mm -hmm. and how much different um, experiences are they being exposed to? So you can see all their sides and all their shades, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, this was uh, helpful to me when I was solo dating pre, uh, Jay. Mm. And I really kind of lived by this and I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. Like a lot of the dates that I went on were things that I wanted to do anyway. Mm. And I was able to really see these guys for, you know, kind of who they were and what they were about. And I went to a lot of comedy shows in the park because there were comedians doing, shows in the park because they couldn't do them inside. Um, and it was like, we would just grab a a picnic blanket and like comedy is great because it's so, um, personal Mm. and like things that I laugh at versus things that they laugh at. And I think that really fosters conversation in between comedians or after the show, like, Mm. Oh, you found that funny. Like, and you know, why we find certain things funny and it, it just really sparks conversation. Yeah. A hundred and laughter is like the best sexy turn on mm. for me. I mean, anyone who can mm. make me laugh. I don't know. I think cause laughter just like put your guard down. You're just, you know, a little more silly, a little more playful. So you're relaxed a little bit. And I think if I went to a comedy show and the person didn't laugh once, I would have some trouble with that. Oh, yeah. I'd I'd be like, see you later. Sorry, not going to work out. (laughs) Yeah. Because like, what kind of person is that? (laughs) Right. (laughs) But anyway, laughter is the best way into my panties. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God. You've said that before, that like, if someone can make you laugh, you're you're in. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's for me, like I said, it just lets my guard down a little bit. And when my guard's down, I'm not stressed. I'm not worried. I'm more in play. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. Esther Perel, if you have not checked her out, check her out. I mean, she has TED Talks that are amazing. And I just think this this question of how to keep it sexy in a long-term relationship is a known question because everyone struggles with it. And whether you're monogamous or lifestyle or solo, you know, I think it's just, it's, it's something we have to constantly work at. Yeah. I think it takes a lot of intention. I think it takes a lot of, I don't want to say it's a lot of work, but it's just, it's intention. It's thinking about it. It's planning for it and not just expecting it to always be there and to, for it to always happen. And then if you can pinpoint those things that do really draw you to your partner, you know, capitalize on them and try to, uh, replicate those, not replicate, but create opportunities for, seeing your partner in there. Yeah. More or, of yeah. Yeah. Just create more of it. Yeah. Um, and I think for me, joining the cult of the lifestyle, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, it just, it really created that beautiful tension 
for me and my relationships once I found the loving relationship that I'm in. And she actually talks about uh, a metaphor of the anchor and the wave. Mm. So any person or system exposed to ceaseless novelty and change risks falling into chaos, but one that is too rigid or static ceases to grow and eventually dies. This never-ending dance between change and stability is like the anchor and the waves. Mm. And I, I love that. So I have my anchor, but I'm still like dancing with the waves and flowing with the tide. It's yeah. not rigid. Exactly. And that's what I needed. But, but when I'm unmoored, and this is, it's so funny because I, I'm just realizing that I had this metaphor in therapy, like maybe a couple of years ago. And we used it and used it and used it, you know, what moors me and what unmoors me. And I, I feel unmoored. And what happens when I'm in the doldrums, you know, when you're just in a boat and floating and there's no wind to take you somewhere, like you're bored, basically, yeah, stagnant, yeah. you know, S- stagnant. Yeah. So how do you create the waves, the, the anchor <laughs> and, and the, the waves. waves. Yeah. Mm. I love mm. it. That's beautiful. That's a mic drop right there. <laughs> mm. I love you, girl. All right. Well, thanks everybody for turning it. To- <laughs> love you too. Thanks everybody for tuning in to another episode <laughs> of Girls Gone Deep. Let us know what you guys think. I love this stuff. How do you keep it sexy in your relationship? What drives you guys? Um, How do you keep it spicy? Because we always like to hear from others because then we can share what you guys say with everybody else because I'm sure if you're enjoying it and liking it, somebody else is going to enjoy it and like it as well. So uh, check us out on Instagram, which is Girls Gone Deep Pod. Got it this time. Woohoo! Pat on the back. Yeah, girl. And uh, <laughs> thank you to our sponsors, Horrible Life. Uh, they are the card game of Have You Ever All Things Sex and Kink. So check them out at horriblelife.com and get your hands on your first deck. Uh, get 10% off with code Gone Deep. So, oh, and we have one more update. Go ahead, V. We are going to take a week's hiatus. So we'll see you in October. A new episode will be dropping then. I've been having crazy computer problems. Might have to buy a new computer. (laughs) Yeah. So trying to figure that out. And so poor Elle is trying to do all the editing on top of her, her job and I am not able to pull my weight. So we need to kind of, uh, take a little regroup. Yeah. Take a little break, (laughs) but we'll launch our next episode, October. It's Thursday, October 5th. So stay tuned and uh, we'll see you guys then. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. Bye.